I know that for me, like I, I don't regret having six kids because I feel like they've opened so much more creativity and so much more, uh, just love and beauty into the world because of who they are. Yeah. So like, you know, people who are first having their kids and they're like, Oh my gosh, my life, my whole life is going to change. I can't do my job anymore as well as I did. There are other things that, you know, that the children bring much greater things than our expectations of what a dream is supposed to look like. Good afternoon, Rachel. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's going well. How are you? I am doing great. Good. I feel so fantastic. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. The, our last episode was um, in the boatwithben.com slash 41. It was about getting exercise when you're trying to raise a family. Yeah. That can be a very challenging thing to do. But I've been... I've been using some of the techniques that we talked about. Part of it is just getting up early and getting out and doing it before the kids are up. And that's challenging. And so I also got some accountability around that. And I went out twice uh, early this week and I did five mile runs. Mm-hmm. And then I did another three mile run. And I don't know if, I don't know if it was the five mile runs or if it was just the fact that I've been running really consistently for the past several weeks. Cause what I would, what I would do the, before we had kids, I was really consistent, but I was also young. And so I didn't know the difference between like feeling old and feeling awesome. But after we had kids, I would kind of get into this rhythm of, I would start running again for two weeks and then I would be off for six months and then back on for yeah, two weeks yeah, and then off for four months, you know, and I would, I was just very inconsistent with it. And I've been probably, I think for about eight weeks now, I've been running consistently consistently, Mm -hmm. and I just, I feel so good. I feel like I have a lot more energy. You do. You have exercise according to science produces more energy and more focus and a lot of things. So it's very, very good for you. Yeah. So go check out that episode, but that's why I'm feeling fantastic. (laughs) Today, Even though we didn't get very much sleep last night. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I could get the sleep back in order, mm-hmm. that would be great. Today we we're talking about running your family like a business and getting on top of life. Now, I am, I still, even though I've been doing freelance for a while, I've been running my own businesses and stuff, I still feel relatively new to actually, you know, building a business and business systems. But I'm familiar enough with some of the practices that as I've thought about how they could apply to the way that we run our family, I see many opportunities to relieve a lot of stress, to make things run more smoothly, to to automate some things so that I don't have to think about them. And so, um, so I wanted to talk about this today because we've recently started incorporating some of these practices into our family. And it's, it's really been, it's relieved a lot of stress and tension mm-hmm. across the board. And so I wanted to share some of the things that we're doing and just go through a list of some uh, business practices that you can maybe retrofit into your family. I don't know if retrofit's the right. No, you can, probably not. Yeah, that you can apply to your family to make things run a little bit more smoothly. Uh, And just real quick, there's actually a really good book called The Secrets of Happy Families. And it's by a man called Bruce Feeler. I think it's F-E-I. We can put it in the show notes. But um, it's a great book about running your family as a business. So, Yeah, definitely check that out. Mm Mm-hmm. So the, one of the first things, and, and this is probably the most obvious thing, many families actually do this, but if you don't, um, you've got to get on a schedule. Scheduling is pretty much essential for just knowing week to week what's going on, preparing for things that are going to be happening down the road, having everybody on the same page. 
And that can look different for, you know, different families. Some people use an all digital system. Um, we actually use a whiteboard calendar. Mm-hmm. Some people write it down on paper, but whatever, whatever method you choose for this, um, scheduling is really important. And that's, that's pretty much like step zero. Yeah, yeah. When we're not using a schedule, the, one of the most frustrating things is... I think, I think you mean a calendar to put things. Because well, schedule to me is more like, you know, scheduling that out your day. Yeah. And, from and hour I was, to hour. Yeah, and I was going to get to that oh, okay. too. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I guess... So calendaring is like step zero. Yeah, calendaring is step zero. It's really frustrating when you're not keeping track of those things and then you're suddenly surprised by, oh, there's a birthday party tomorrow that my son wants to go to. And they don't, you know, they're, they're kids. They don't think about the week before reminding you or anything. Yeah. It's, it's the night before or even the day <laughs> of. It's like, oh, hey, there's that birthday party thing. Yeah. Um, that's just how it works. But you don't have to, you don't want to have to carry that stuff around in your head. Mm-hmm. And then the second layer to that is the, the actual day-to-day scheduling and having a routine, uh, ha- having some schedule in place so that everybody knows what to expect from day to day. Very recently, this became uh, a lifesaver for me because uh, most days I have the boys in the afternoon mm-hmm. while you're working. And so I'm, they're getting home from school and there's quite a bit of craziness between mm-hmm. trying to get them to put their stuff away and do their homework. And sometimes there's laundry that they have to put away. And then, you know, in the meantime, the younger ones need to be managed. And so until I implemented a schedule, it just felt like I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Yeah. And so I finally, I actually sat down with them and I said, okay, this is what we're going to do, guys. And I, and I wrote it out. And we talked about it and I even asked them for some ideas about, okay, would you, would you prefer for this activity to be here or here? Jaden decided that instead of coming straight home and having to put all his stuff away right away, he would rather do his 20 minutes of reading time Hmm. first. And so we said, okay, that's fine. So we'll go ahead and that'll be a part of your afternoon schedule. Mm -hmm. And so that really helped relieve a ton of stress and, you know, it, it's, it hasn't been perfect, but the more we, we operate by that schedule, the more automatic it becomes and the easier it gets. And then there's always room to deviate from that mm-hmm. if you need to, but you can't break a routine if you don't have one. Right. All right. So, so now I wanted to get into some of the higher level stuff. One of my favorite things to think about in terms of business and making things run more smoothly for your business or your freelancing, whatever you're doing is automation. Now in business automation kind of comes in the form of either using some kind of uh, automated system on your computer to accomplish a task that you do over and over again. It could be in the, in the way that you implement some process in the family automation can look really practical like something we do with subscribe and save through Amazon. Oh yeah. So yeah, we actually sub- we subscribe to all of like the basic needs that we have like soap, toilet paper, all of that so that we don't even have to go out to the store. Yeah. We're going to become hermits. Well, that's that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. I've said I've said before my goal is to never have to go to the store again. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> doesn't I, work for groceries yet, but no, it will soon though. <laughs> I, th- I think though we're at a place where it's going to come down to, do we have enough money to afford the services that are already available mm-hmm. or waiting until they're more affordable or, yeah. or more convenient. So anyway, and anything like that. So now we don't have to think about, Oh, do we have enough toilet paper? Because that, right. that was a huge problem before, guys. <laughs> Mostly because our twins like to put it in the toilet and watch yeah. it crumble. So <laughs> so we don't have to think about that as much. We don't have to think about, oh, do we have enough soap? 
if we are, you know, tending to run out of something, we'll take note of that and we'll increase our order or we'll increase the frequency or whatever, but that's all automated. And the freedom that that gives you, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a little thing, but it's one less thing to think about so that you can use that mental energy for other things mm-hmm. in your family. Yeah. So that's one form of automation. Um, something else could be implementing a routine with your children and making it a habit. Mm-hmm. And so that, that also takes time. It takes some teaching. But for example, um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about delegating tasks and stuff like that later. Mm-hmm. But, but I taught the older three boys how to fold their clothes and how to hang them up and put them away. And I worked with them for a few weeks. And now most of the time I can tell them, okay, it's time to put away your laundry. I show them where it is and they'll take care of it. Now that's, that's not something that I have to do anymore. It's something that's getting done mm-hmm. um, because it's beca- it has become routine and habit for them. Yeah. And another one would obviously be after dinner chores. We have a little chart where um, it's kind of like a pinwheel where it rotates every week. And so all they have to do is go check their name, what their chore is. And after dinner's over, that's what they go do. Yeah. And it's, again, it's just one of those things where it's either saving you time so that you can focus on other aspects of your role that add value to the family because it doesn't add a ton of value to the family for me to put everybody's clothes away. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. Well, there, if you're if you're thinking in terms of like a tidy house, there's actually a lot of value in that. But there is there is value in that. But at least there, for me, right? But there are <laughs> other things that I can do that add as much, if well, not yeah. more, value. Yeah. All right, budget. Now, this is this is probably an obvious one for most people too. Mm-hmm. maybe consider to step zero. And there are some interesting ideas on budget, but you have to start from a place of values. You know, how do you, how do you value your resources? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of values do you have around spending, saving and investing? Um, but for our family, a budget is a tool that we get to use that shows us what we're spending money on regularly so that we understand what our baseline needs are. Mm -hmm. And this is really powerful in business. You know, when you know, okay, in order for business to continue running, the business needs to make at least this much money. Mm -hmm. And if the, if the business isn't making at least this much money, we don't, you know, we can't keep doing what we're doing. That's really important when it, when it comes to determining uh, the viability of projects that you might take on or the viability of clients that you might, might take on in the family, you know, things that, things that we do as a family can cost money. They're, they're costs that go beyond just the basic operational costs. And so that's why, you know, we have savings for different things Mm -hmm. and those savings become goal markers for us. So we know, okay, our goal is to be able to do this thing. Like one of our goals is to be able to replace our air conditioner. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily considered the base operating cost, but it, but it's an important piece of the puzzle. So what the budget does for us is, is it just allows us to keep track of all those things so that we're not either tempted to spend money that we really shouldn't be spending, or we can at least see where everything is going. Mm-hmm. And we, we actually keep this in a spreadsheet. I like that we do that because as our children get older, we're going to be able to show them on paper what it actually looks like mm-hmm. instead of trying to describe it for them or, you know, make them come up with the pieces themselves. Yeah. And I feel like that's really important to teach our kids too, like everything that we can about money because... You know, when when I went off to college, there were so many of my friends who didn't even know about what money management was, you know, and most of them like immediately got into really bad debt, you know, and um, nobody ever taught me. But I for some reason, I just had like a I don't know, some kind of sense about like, yeah, I only have this much and that's all I'm going to spend. You know, <laughs> see, the thing that concerns me is that I was absolutely yeah, I know not you that were. <laughs> way. And 
we have boys. Yeah. Who already are like, can you just buy this for me and I'll pay you back? <laughs> oh, no. <yeah. laughs> I had to tell Jaden yesterday, I said, I, I don't lend money. Yeah. I, I either give you money or I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I don't, I'm not giving you money right now. Nope. That, I was, I was a little bit gentler than that, <laughs> but, but yeah, the, so the budget thing, it kind of becomes, I don't, I don't want to say that left to our own devices, we're not as in control of our money as we should be because I, I like the idea of having self-discipline, mm-hmm. but sometimes what the structure of budget does is it makes it easier for us to say, you know what, I can't spend that because the budget says this is where we are. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of becomes this thing that we can point to and say, well, no, this is what the budget is. So that's what we're, that's what we're going to do instead of having to be the, cause it, it takes energy and, and, discipline to keep yourself from spending yeah, money definitely. that you don't have. And some people come by that easier than others. Mm-hmm. And I want to foster that kind of discipline, but having the structure in place really helps. All right. So I, I, I love the way that projects and goals work within business. And I'm going to talk about them kind of as two separate things first. Um, but then there are also some similarities. So when it comes to projects, I think a lot of times we see things that we're doing as a family, things that we're working on, you know, even something really simple like tidying the house. Mm-hmm. Tidying the house is a bunch of little tasks. You know, it's made up of a bunch of little tasks. But if you talk about it as a project and say, okay, this is project tidy the house, it's kind of a, a fun way of teaching your child the difference between what a project and what a task is. Yeah. And that's going to be be valuable when it comes to how you pursue goals and how you structure your journey toward your goals and that kind of thing. So thinking about things in terms of projects is nice because it gets everybody on the same page in terms of what you're ultimately trying to accomplish. And instead of saying, okay, you need to sweep and mop the floors and, and just leaving it at that, you can say, okay, you're, part of your role in helping us finish this project is sweeping and mopping the floors. That's, that's one, of you, one of the tasks and that task belongs to you. Mm-hmm. And I want to get into task lists and stuff in a little bit because that's been super helpful for us. When it comes to goals, um, where goals can be similar is, you know, like you can have a goal of getting the house completely tidy, but you can, you can also talk about bigger goals that you have as a family. Mm -hmm. You can talk about individual goals that each person has. You can also talk about like how those goals can be similar and help each other along or how some of those goals might come into conflict and, you know, how to figure that out. And those are really important life skills because as we grow up and, and become adults and interact with other people with either similar or different goals, it's important to know how to navigate that and how to know when to accommodate somebody else's goal that might come into conflict with yours and, and when might be the right time to say, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and pursue my goal right now and you know we're going to shift some things around and you'll get your turn later, or maybe this situation just, just doesn't work for us to, you know, work together. But those are those are important skills to have, and so teaching those in the family setting can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. And we we try to uh, every New Year when you and I make goals, we try to encourage our boys to also make goals for the year that they can work toward. Yeah, and also pick like one creative project a year that they do. Yeah, and it, it's really difficult at first. I mean, just to be honest, we were one of the projects the boys had was doing a children's book. Mm-hmm. And you'd think, oh, it's just a children's book. But there were all of 
you know, all of the steps involved of yeah. writing the story and then knowing how to break up the story so that it would fit on each page mm-hmm. and knowing how to illustrate it and then coloring it in. And I think, I think it really, at least it did for me, but I think it also did for the boys, give them a picture of what it really looks like Oh yeah, it's to have work. a goal mm-hmm. and to experience some of the tedious things that happen along the way. Yeah. So there were, there were several pages of our, our oldest. He just didn't want to color them in or because yeah, he was, he, he was kind of in a, in a hurry to see the finished prod, yeah. product. He would rush through his drawings and they weren't quite his best work. So it was really interesting and, and good for them to have that experience. Yep. So I want to talk about tasks and in, in terms of pursuing your goals, obviously any goal or project that you have, in order for it to act, to be actionable, it's got to be broken down into tasks. And so tasks in this sense are, are just verbs, you know, like sweep the floor, mop the floor, clean the toilet, whatever, whatever's on that list. I'm talking about a lot of cleaning the house stuff. Yeah. Well, cause it's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> What makes it, or what can make it a little bit fun is to actually come up with a task list. And and this is really just using some organiz, organizational techniques. Mm-hmm. The task list and being able to check th- physically check things off was something that I used a lot in my businesses. You know, every single day I'm using some form of task list mm-hmm. to get things done. And it only recently occurred to me that you know, I bet the boys would feel like they can get more accomplished if I made something similar for them. So I actually came up with an afternoon checklist for when they get home and I put it in a sheet protector so that they could use an erasable marker and just check off the items on their list every day. Yep. And And they do that in the morning too. Yeah, and they do that in the morning too. So when we can find their sheets... (laughs) So that's, that's another system that needs some tweaking. But when we can find their sheets, that task list really works well for them. And then they don't have to, until it really becomes habit for them. And this is, this is kind of interesting to me. I wonder if there's some research behind why this happens. But it seems like things that we do over and over and over every single day just don't seem to stick. With with the boys, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but the task list makes it a lot easier yeah, for them because they don't have to think about, oh, okay, what else do I need to do? I was going to say too, um, that something that I try to do whenever I notice little, like with the task list, list, we don't have a designated place for it. So they tend to get lost. And when I notice things like that, I try to like jot it down. We have this, um, we have this household binder where you and I kind of pass notes, like when we're trading off the kids, yeah, little notes, like, I don't know if you're going to talk about this later, but just little notes like, Hey, they didn't clean up these toys. And so they don't get to play with them again today or whatever, you know, but I always try to make a note in those places. Like we need to find a, a place for the task list so they don't get, you know, they don't get lost. So just having little notes like that, where we can talk about, okay, this is a problem. Now we need to fix it, you know? Yeah. And, and that kind of goes back to automation. Anything, anything that you're encountering is a problem mm-hmm. consistently. You're going to save yourself a lot of time if you actually try to. Uh... Yeah, most of the time, <laughs> most of the time it just, it comes down to coming up with some kind of process that you can implement to make sure that piece runs smoothly every time. And I've found that just family life is very complex. And so it's difficult to stay on top of all of those things. It takes some time. You're definitely not going to get it all running smoothly at once. But being a, being aware of that and being purposeful about finding those things and putting processes in place um, is, is just moving in the right direction. Yeah. One of the things that people who either, you know, work for companies or run companies and have employees meetings are kind of this seen as this necessary evil. A lot of people feel like meetings are just a distraction. 
they don't really help get things done. And so I, I want to be careful about how we use this, but I do yeah. think that meetings as a part of regular family life can actually be very beneficial if done the right way. Yeah. So the, the purpose or, or the way that you make a meeting purposeful and valuable is to understand what the purpose of the meeting is, why it's happening, what needs to be accomplished and stick to that script. Now with kids of a certain age, your meeting may look completely yeah. useless. And, and so the purpose of those meetings may be more about just getting them familiar with the idea. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of liken it to when our one-year-old sits down with a book and he's watched us mm-hmm. turn the pages, turn the and, pages stuff. and stuff. And so he does that mm-hmm. and he's flipping through and sometimes he'll even kind of babble as mm-hmm. he's doing it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really powerful when you demonstrate something that even though they don't quite yet understand it, you're helping them build a framework for something that you will be doing consistently in the future. Yeah. So in our home, we call this family council meeting. And I actually have a notebook where I take notes. Mm-hmm. And do you have this, like, were you going to talk about what we do for family council? Um, you can go ahead and bring it in. Yeah. This is our, uh, we try to do it weekly. I think we've kind of gotten lax in the last couple of weeks, but we, um, we typically will ask three questions and one of them is what did we do well last week? And so we kind of go through and celebrate the things that we did well. What do we need to improve on for the next week? And so we talk about little problem areas, which for us usually looks like, you know, boys staying at the dinner table or um, boys putting their stuff away whenever they get home or leaving their clothes out or those kinds of things. Um, Sometimes it looks like relationship stuff that we need to work through. Uh, and then the last question is, what is my specific role in in those things that we need to do better yeah. um, so that we kind of assign each other, you know, here's this person is going to be the encourager this week or this person, you know, just little things like that. And it, it really helps to solidify our family. And also we get to have a conversation about some of the things that we feel like didn't go well. And some some may feel like other things didn't go well. And it's just I don't know, it's kind of. It's a sweet time, I think, even though it's it's hard to do with young kids because they get a little silly and stuff. You know, like some of their answers are pretty silly. Yeah. But it's practice for when they're older and they actually do have things like, oh, you know, I had a lot of trouble with my trigonometry homework or something, you know. <laughs> and then we'll be like, oh, okay, well, we can't help you there. Right. Sorry. <laughs> you, you passed me up about five years ago, so... <laughs> So yeah, it's a it's a great a great thing to do. Yeah, and and the the types of meetings that I really like for um, family life, there's those regular meetings that talk about some of the logistical things, like making sure that everybody's on the same page as far as the schedule and the calendar for that week. Everybody is on the same page in terms of budget. We do some logistical things like track all of the spending for that week and ca- and put it in the, their different categories. And, and and some of those the kids are involved in, some of it is just between the two of us. Mm-hmm. But then there are the meetings that have more to do with the relationships and individual goals and family goals. And, and so they're a little bit more like long-term vision, value-centered meetings. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. those are those are the two types of meetings I feel are important to have on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And that gets me into my next thing. This was kind of a funny thought that I have because where the similarities kind of break down between a business and your family is that you can't fire your kids. Yeah. And you can discipline them and and correct them. But like you can't, there's not some write-up system where, you know, once they get three write-ups, they go on probation and then they get the pink slip. Sometimes you want to. You want to. (laughs) One of the things I remember about being an employee Mm -hmm. is that we had what were called employee evaluations and these were quarterly. Mm -hmm. 
And so every quarter, and it was kind of, it was a little bit of a stressful thing. Yeah. I remember because... Because it was very results-based and whether or not you kept your job was based on those results. Yeah. In your particular area of employment. And, And it makes sense because, you know, businesses value things like, you know, is is this employee adding value to the business by what they're doing according to, you know, what this what the role of this person is in the business and the job they're supposed to be doing. So the manager has all of those things in mind and that's the, the that's the value lens through which he or she is judging mm-hmm. or evaluating an employee's performance. When it comes to the family, the the family values should be the lens through which we quote unquote, perform an evaluation, but it's not a criticism or, or anything like that. The way I like to think about it is, you know, I imagine myself sitting down with our oldest, Jaden, and saying, all right, so three months ago, these are the things that we talked about. These are the, the things that you thought you were doing really well. Mm-hmm. These are the things that you that you wanted to improve on. These are these are the goals that you had that you wanted to accomplish, you know, and talk about those specific things. And, you know, though, I think that putting that more in their hands is more valuable. Like, how do you think that you did? And then, you know, kind of guiding them in that. Absolutely. Because, because really, like, whenever, whenever we are, you know, when, when somebody tells us, hey, here's something that you can do better. And then we come up on, a, on an evaluation on an evaluation, I'm like speaking so fast. We we know how we've done, you know. Yeah. And so putting that in their court, uh, with a little bit of guidance, of course, is well, really valuable. So it's it's good to have both. It's good to encourage them to have their own opinions and ideas about th- those things, how they what they did well, what they could improve on, etc. But it's also good for them to have an outsider's perspective on those things. Yeah. And and not, so it's not us sitting there saying, nope, you're seeing that completely wrong. This is, this is actually how it was. Mm-hmm. It's good to say, this is what I observed, or this is what I experienced, or this is what I remember, you, you know, so it's, it's saying I own my own ideas and opinions about you and what you did and you own your own your ideas and opinions about what you did and you get to decide whether or not what i think is even valid or applicable to you mm-hmm. and and or useful so that's that's how i see the the role of that evaluations working well in the family setting because it is a moment where you kind of get realigned with the values of the family you are reminded of your own personal goals. You're reminded of the family's goals. Mm-hmm. And and it's just an opportunity to recalibrate to those things. Karma in the chat said, you can't fire them. <laughs> and then Sarah said, I don't know. I got fired <laughs> from mowing the lawn. I guess if they're doing a bad job at something like a chore. I think I think the more valuable thing, though, would be to show them how to do it better and give them more chances. So this is this actually is a great segue into um, the last section that we're going to talk about, and that's roles. Mm-hmm. One of the more difficult things to do as a parent is to delegate tasks and mm-hmm. to teach autonomy. We encounter situations daily where it's just easier <laughs> for us to do something for them, even though they can do it for themselves or even though they're capable of learning how to do it for themselves. And, and one of the things that we miss when we don't teach them to do those things, when we don't delegate authority, when we don't help them to have autonomy is the benefit for them of knowing how to do those things. And it's, and it's not just about, oh, I know how to do this, but, but it's about adding value to the family. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's inherent worth, you know, whether, whether or not somebody is able to contribute something to the family, there's inherent worth, but there's, it's also great for our children to experience what it's like to contribute, you know, to, to say, 
this thing wasn't done before and then I did it and now it's done and that saved everybody time or it made something easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and I did that. It's really valuable for them to have that experience of having contributed to something. And so, so it's important for us as the parents to guide that process of helping them discover the unique role they can play in the family, the different tasks they can take on. And, and over time, you know, with them kind of define what that is. Mm-hmm. So, so there's the, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm kind of talking a lot here, but there's the really logistical stuff, you know, the day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. But then I also, I love this idea of kind of coming up with titles Yeah, we've talked about this before where we sort of evaluate their giftings and give them specific titles within the family. So like our our oldest wants to be a cinematographer. Well, one of the ways that he can practice that is telling stories, the stories of our family. So if he wants to be like the family historian or something like that, you know, he can he can produce video that is about our our family and how valuable that would be, you know. Yeah, and is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. We, yeah, okay. So in school, uh, he's in the Sage program, and so with his with his fellow classmates, they were given different roles, and he was actually given the role of class historian. Yeah, right. And and so it was it was really neat because I, I can't remember whether he chose that or somebody chose that for him. Yeah, I think his teacher was like, "You enjoy documenting, yeah, Go for it, you know." Yeah, but but it was really uh, it was cool to see that it was consistent with what we've observed mm-hmm. and yeah. and what he's kind of told us about what he thinks he wants to be. Yeah, and that's kind of what gave us the idea was that you know even in their classes at school, I mean this is a a very small class of individuals who do extra product projects and stuff like that, but they had assigned roles, you know, where they would do certain things, and um, so we've we've just been having conversations about what our other kids could do based on what their giftings are and what their personality types are and those sorts of things. Yeah. And, and there are, you know, for, for your family goals, you might find that there are different roles that each person can play in the pursuit of that specific goal. And then in kind of just the underlying, the family values there's a role that everybody plays that kind of fulfills the values of the family. And so a given person in a family could fill a handful of roles. You mm-hmm. know, it's not, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily just, okay, right. this is the one role that you play. Like I am the dishwasher is one of my roles. Yeah. For now. I don't but, trust the boys to wash dishes yet. But they can load the dishwasher. But. You don't have to wear a name tag that says <laughs> right. Rachel Tolson dishwasher. <laughs> Although I feel like it's almost like what it would be in a restaurant. <laughs> we yeah. don't use paper plates or paper utensils. So. I mean, that, that could that could be fun too. Yeah. Now, I don't know, that, that might make me want to rethink our system of rotating the chores. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Maybe we're making it hard on ourselves, Rachel. By rotating? Because, because some of the kids really like sweeping. And yeah, some but they it. wouldn't like it forever. Sweeping is like the worst. I don't know. Like when you get really good at something yeah, and you feel like you're true. contributing. This, I think this is a good conversation for the after show. We'll yeah. save it. Okay. okay. I'm going to get on to some comments and questions that we got from the chat. And we'll talk about these a little bit. This first one was from Robert. He said, I found that I think of myself as less of the owner slash boss and more of the manager of my family business. I didn't get to hire my kids. I don't get to fire them. Ultimately, I don't have the authority to make them do anything, but I have considerable influence and the appearance of authority, which helps me to manage the day-to-day operations enable my team to do their best work and encourages them to develop and grow. Mm-hmm. So whether, whether you completely agree with the specific terminology of that statement, I really love the idea of managing the operations, enabling the team to do their best work, encouraging development and growth. And 
you know, the, the role that a parent plays in their child's life, I mean, it, it is several different hats. You know, as, as a business grows, when it starts out, you know, you're doing a lot of, you're filling a lot of different roles. And, you know, depending on how it grows and what the different challenges are, you're, you're faced with a lot of decisions. Mm-hmm. When you're dealing with, when you're dealing with children, they're at first definitely not take, uh, capable of taking care of their own needs. Um, they don't understand the dangers of the world and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but as they, as they get older, it's almost like their intellect is ahead of their understanding of the risks. And, yeah. stuff like, and, and in some ways that's good, but in some ways it's very challenging. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it's fun to think about the role that we get to play as parents, seeing the potential that our children have, seeing their ability and, and giving them the room and the space they need to make decisions and choices as they're able to handle those, make mistakes, you know, have those experiences and learn from them. And it's, uh, it's a really tough thing. It's, it's a tough thing to balance. Yeah. We're going to have to do a whole episode on that. Mm-hmm. Levi said, this was, this was a great thing uh, um, in terms of communication, which we didn't really talk about much in this episode. They said clarification, not confrontation, is really helpful in my family and my relationship with soon-to-be wife. This is uh, this in a team setting was huge for less friction and the ability to actually talk about tension or friction well as a team. I guess it's actually less of just a business practice, but more of a life practice. I definitely learned it better in a business and team mm-hmm. setting. So this is the difference between you know, sitting down and saying, okay, you're doing this and I don't like it. And it's making things really difficult. And actually, you know, having a teaching moment with your child and saying, you know what, when you do this, these are the consequences, Mm -hmm. not just for you, but like here are the consequences for everybody else. This is, this is what happens. And it's a, it's a very different feeling because I, I love the idea of not having to approach something out of my personal feelings about it. Mm-hmm. It's still hard not it to do. It is hard, yeah. Um, I was going to say, I think it. one of the other aspects is trying to approach everything assuming good intent. That's what I try to do uh, and try to remember to do when kids are misbehaving. But uh, I, I just, I believe that the world could do with a lot more assuming good in, good intent, you know? Like people offend us all the time and we get our feathers all ruffled. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times like we're just assuming something that's not actually true. And the same is very true for our kids. You know, when they, when there's some kind of misbehavior, we assume that they're doing it because either they're defying us or um, they're just, they're doing it just to do it because they want to, you know, they want to be a little jerk or whatever. But a lot of times <laughs> they're, I mean, well, I say a lot of times all the time, there's a reason for what they do. Yeah, and when you put down your defenses, when when you're not approaching them, and, and I've seen this with the kids, you know, the difference between when I've got that angry look on my face mm-hmm. and when I've got that more like inquisitive, curious, like I'm yeah, like really what are you thinking about yeah. what, why you chose to do that? Yeah, <laughs> because that's more seeking to understand the thinking mm-hmm. and reasoning behind the choice. Um, rather instead than of rushing focusing into... first on, okay, you need to do that differently next yeah. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brandon Hopkins asked, I just got, or I just had a son 19 days ago. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. And this is my first child. I'm also in the early stages of the overlap technique, which is um, something that we talk about on the Sean West podcast quite a bit. It's this idea that if you're trying to start a business or you're pursuing a freelance career, you still work a day job and you get your basic expenses covered so that you're not placing the burden of that on the business that you're trying to grow. Mm -hmm. So he says, is there any advice that you wish you had at this stage in regards to running your family like a business and staying on top of everything? 
I'm trying to recalibrate, but I fear that now my family is growing. I fear that now my family is growing focus and structure will be harder to manage. Oh, now my family is growing focus and structure will be harder to manage. Mm -hmm. Yes, it will. Yeah. And I don't want to encourage you to redouble your efforts and try to be more focused, but some of it comes down to adjusting your expectations. And that was the thing that I didn't do very well when I first started my family. I just, I knew that things would be different, but my expectations caused me to feel frustrated a lot of the time because what I wanted to happen and what I thought should happen with the band, for example, mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, how often we were going to be able to play and how logistically easy it would be to get the kid, uh, the kids taken care of that kind of thing. My expectations weren't very well calibrated to the reality of the, that situation. Mm -hmm. And so part of what you can do is you can talk to other people who have been in that situation before so that so that you can hear from their experience and kind of see how it'll be similar to yours but then you know also assume that it's going to be a lot harder to get focus and structure than you think it will but if you put in the work to do that it's entirely possible yeah it's i mean definitely possible i i always like people tell me all the time oh i just i, I don't have time or the focus or energy to be able to write because I have kids to take care of. And I'm just like, well, it's because you haven't actually put the parameters around it that need to be put there. You know, you haven't fixed the structure. You haven't put all the, the, the things in place that allow you to be able to do that, you know, because yeah. there are things that we can do always. It just takes a lot more work. It really does. And a lot more planning, which, uh, if you're not good at that, you better get good at it. Yeah. And <laughs> And it also may take you a lot longer to overlap into your business mm -hmm. than you originally thought. So those are those are the expectations you want to to adjust. But, but it is but it is definitely possible. But also, I know that for me, like I I don't regret having six kids because I feel like they've opened so much more creativity and so much more uh, just love and beauty into the world because of who they are. Yeah. So like, you know, people who are first having their kids and they're like, Oh my gosh, my life, my whole life is going to change. I can't do my job anymore as well as I did. There are other things that, you know, that the children bring much greater things than our expectations of what a dream is supposed to look like. Yeah. So. So Brandon also says I'm, also in the process of figuring out how to schedule dedicated family time. I want to do this so that when it's family time, I'm 100% focused on that and not half focused on them and half focused on the work I know needs to get done. Should I feel guilty having to be structured with my family time? No way. Yeah, so structure, structure is, okay. If you absolutely love, you, you have some, passion that you're pursuing, something that you're building into a business, you absolutely love doing it. Most of the time it still requires structure. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's got to be some kind of structure that allows you to work toward your your passion during the times when things get a little bit tedious, during the times when you don't feel like doing it. There's there's a difference between having a goal and and wanting to do something just as an overarching pursuit and the daily experience of going after it and, and how you feel from moment to moment. Mm -hmm. And being in a family is the same thing. You know, there, there are times when I don't feel like I want to be around my kids, but there is dedicated time set aside for us to spend time together. And I know that even though I don't feel like it, my overarching goal is for us to be closer as a family and, and for us to be more connected in our relationships. And so the structure helps me to make the decision to make the most of that time when I don't always feel like it. Mm -hmm. And that accomplishes, that accomplishes my bigger goal, mm -hmm. which is more important. So 
anyways, that was, that was the long way of saying, no, you shouldn't feel guilty. It's actually very healthy. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that just about covers everything. And if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, I want to encourage you one, go to in the boat with ben.com and sign up for our newsletter there. We send out a weekly newsletter and I always attach a personal message. I love hearing from folks. So if you're a part of our newsletter, please feel free to write in anytime when you have questions, anything that you'd like for us to cover uh, or any comments or thoughts you'd like to add to what we talk about. Um, I, I would love to get all of that. So go to in the boat with ben.com, sign up for our newsletter. You can reply directly to me that way. Or you can also go to intheboatwithben.com slash contact and you can just get in touch with me that way as well. Thank you guys for listening today. If you want to find Rachel, she is at Mm racheltolson.com. You can also follow her on Snapchat. No. No, you can't. Okay, Twitter. One of these days, guys. (laughs) You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. You can follow me on Snapchat at Ben Tolson. And Rachel, if they want to help out the show, what's a good way they can do that? They can go leave an, a review. I was on, oh my gosh, I was about to say Amazon review. An they Amazon can go review. leave a review on iTunes. That's right. That's a great way to help out the show. Folks who are considering whether or not to take a listen to a show will often check out the reviews. They'll use that form of social proof to help them decide whether or not they want to listen to an episode. So your review can be the thing that pushes somebody over the edge. Another great way you can help out the show and really help yourself out is to go to seanwest.com slash community. Um, The Sean West community is an online community filled with like-minded individuals who are very encouraging, kind, and challenging. Some Some of the biggest positive life changes I've experienced have come as a result of the relationships that I've formed with the people in the community. And the community also makes all of the shows on this network possible. So the reason you're able to listen to this right now is because the community is there and there are people who are active and participating. So if you want to be one of those people, I highly encourage you to check it out. SeanWest.com slash community. Thank you guys for listening today. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks. We will talk to you next time. We talked earlier, uh, we were, I, I kind of had this moment where I was questioning whether or not we should continue doing the chores the way that we had, mm-hmm. the, the after dinner chores where we, where we rotate them. And so I wanted, to, I wanted to give you kind of my thoughts behind that. Okay. I think I, think I used to believe, and I, and I don't believe this as much anymore, but I used to believe that it was important for the kids to have the skill of sweeping the floor to have the skill of doing the dishes or the experience of it or whatever because it was like well one day you're going to have to do these things for yourself and and i don't i'm i'm questioning whether or not that's accurate i hate cleaning toilets i was made to do it as a kid growing up yeah and, and it's still to this day, I'm like, I, I can go and run five miles. I can. But the thought of cleaning a toilet. But the thought of cleaning, it's like, oh my Yeah. Gosh. And I, I actually enjoy washing dishes. I hate sweeping the floor. I enjoy sweeping. Yeah. I, but <laughs> I was made to sweep a lot. 
but I, I but actually, that's actually something I really it. enjoy. I, it's very satisfying to get all of the things off of the floor into a pile yeah, and we, then to see them go away. We live with raccoons. so We need a dog so the dog can like <laughs> just sit under so the table. <laughs> so, so anyways, all of that to say, what if, and, and this could come and go in seasons, but for now, like we have, we have a child who seems to enjoy sweeping, is good at it does a good job when they, when they do that chore. And that same kid hates taking out the trash. Mm-hmm. But we've got a child who really enjoys taking out the trash, always does a good job. But that child hates you know, doing the dishes. We've got a child who doesn't like doing any chores. You know, so, so what does he get to do? So what does he get to do? <laughs> but... But it feels like we're working too hard maybe when we have somebody who's willing to do something, who does it well. And that's kind of like if you were running a business Mm -hmm. and you had an employee who was very talented and skilled in a specific area, it added value to the business. They, They enjoy doing it because they do it well, because they feel like they're contributing why wouldn't why wouldn't we want to just keep that person in that role instead of saying nope we have this arbitrary thing where we rotate you through so that you can experience all the roles mhm i feel like there's also value though like they only have to do the chore that they really dislike for one week and there's there's some value in doing something that you don't like because it teaches you something you know yes but does the chores have to be the mechanism for that that's yeah. my question. Well, I mean, I suppose they get that every day with homework. But, yeah, I don't know. So, I think you and I should have a meeting to discuss that a little bit more. Hmm. Maybe so. That'll be a good conversation. You know what we used to do when we had meetings was we would order in. But right now we're in the middle of a 33-day challenge. Mm-hmm. And we can't order in. Ugh. I actually feel really good though. I do too. I'm, I actually, I'm, I'm not like, I, I said, uh, because I don't know why I I feel great. Mm -hmm. I don't really crave bad stuff right now. It's, it's all kind of out of my system. Yeah. (laughs) So Sarah in the chat said, I think rotating chores definitely did help me learn that I had to do things I didn't like. And I, and I totally agree that that can be a mechanism through which you learn that lesson. And that's certainly an important lesson to learn. Yeah. Because you're even, even when you're pursuing a goal, there are going to be parts of that that are uncomfortable that you don't like. Yeah. Well, and there's also like whenever our boys become adults, you know, I wouldn't want their wife to be like, your son never does dishes because he just doesn't like it. You but, know, like, but the, if if there's some other way that they learn to do things that are uncomfortable, so in that in that situation, let's say, let's say Jaden hates doing dishes, mm-hmm. and so we never make him do the dishes, but he learns through some other means that, and let's say it's homework, he wants to get good grades. Mm-hmm. That's his goal, and he actually does. He wants to, he wants to get good grades. In order for him to get good grades, he has to do his homework consistently and he has to take his time on it. So, so that's a way that he is experiencing doing something that he doesn't like that's uncomfortable that ultimately allows him to accomplish a goal. Well, in the relationship scenario, he doesn't like doing dishes. He was never made to do them. So he probably doesn't do them well, but he likes or or he he loves his spouse. He wants to foster a healthy connection in that relationship. He wants to express love and affection. And if he determines that doing dishes is the way to do that, I think the lesson that he learns from the homework can work for him with the dishes. He's, He's capable of doing a good job on the dishes. I mean, he's capable of doing a good job on anything he decides to do. Yeah. So I don't, 
I don't know that making him do the dishes is absolutely is absolutely necessary in order for that to be possible in the hypothetical scenario. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just that's this is <laughs> We might have to do an experiment or something. Yeah. So so stay tuned. We should do an episode on running your family as a science lab. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> okay. We do experiments all the time. Yeah, so so coming soon. <laughs> um results from our exper- experiments and <laughs> an episode about running your family like a, a science lab. 